Okay, we are doing now the portion of Chumash of Thursday. We're in Parshas Miki. We are in chapter 42, verse 19. And just to follow the storyline, since you might not know it's on Sunday, so Pharaoh has a dream. He's very disturbed by the dream. He asks his advisors. They don't know what's going on. They give him interpretations he doesn't accept. He's told by the butler, very reluctantly, he's told by him of Joseph's greatness in interpreting dreams. He calls Joseph out of the prison where he's been languishing for all these years and he interprets the dream and he also gives him some free advice. The dream symbolizes seven years of plenty and seven years of intense starvation. And during the seven years of plenty, you should be gathering the food. So during the seven years of starvation, you'll have what to eat. Pharaoh is overwhelmed by his brilliance and says, you should be the person in charge of this whole project. Slobodrov explains, and he asks a very interesting question. He says, um, actually, it seems a very simple dream to interpret. You know, Joseph is interpreting it so literally. Fat cows, skinny cows, fat grains, skinny grains, plenty, and then hunger. It seems so simple. We could also interpret it. What was so great about it? And then Joseph goes on to give free interpretation, which nobody asked him for. What's going on? And why was Pharaoh so excited? He explains that the essence problem here was that what was puzzling Pharaoh and why his advisors couldn't give the seemingly very simple interpretation of seven years of plenty and seven years of starvation is because in the dream, the fat and skinny cows were happening at the same time. The fat and skinny ears were happening at the same time. So they couldn't wrap their heads around this. Either it's years of plenty or years of starvation. It can't be happening simultaneously, so the dream can't possibly mean that. But what Joseph's brilliance here, which they all appreciated, was saying, we can't have it simultaneous. And that's the whole point of the dream, that during the years of plenty, you're preparing for the years of starvation. They're existing by you because you're stockpiling the food for them. And during the years of starvation, you're eating off the food of plenty. So they're existing simultaneously. Wow. You are the man for the job. Joseph becomes the viceroy, the prime minister, the de facto ruler of Egypt. And he's aware that this all must be part of God's plot. And he, he knows eventually his brothers are going to come down, which they do. And they come down like the rest of the world is coming because there's a starvation over the whole world. And the only one that has food is Egypt, thanks to Joseph's foresight and God's blessings that his, he was able to stockpile the food and it didn't rot as did other people's foods in Egypt that tried to stockpile as well. So now his brothers have arrived. And Joseph understands that this is all part of a purpose. And the first thing I have to do is bring them to have complete repentance or complete atonement for what they did to me. Because here I was in their hands. I was a... beloved, favorite child, and they got rid of me. And, of course, they had lots of godly reasons, but at the end of the day, it was really wrong. And I have to set up a very similar situation to give them the opportunity to completely atone for what they did previously by not doing the same thing to Benjamin. So Joseph now is putting into place a whole strategy, very wise strategy, to give the brothers the opportunity to completely repent, have complete atonement. So therefore, 
he did not show the brothers that he knew who they were, and they obviously had no clue who he was. And instead, yesterday, he accused them of being spies, sneaking into the city through all these different gates, claiming to be brothers, and then claiming to be searching for their long-lost brother Joseph, who they were planning to even fight to gain back, which of course shows they were willing to fight. So this already proves their illegitimacy here in Egypt. And he throws them all in prison for three days. So now, we're on the third day. They've all been in prison here. Now what's going on? So, on the third day, Joseph said to them, do this and live, I fear God. Beginning now today's portion. If you are truthful people, that one of your brothers be in prison in your ward house, and you go bring provisions for the hunger of your household. Meaning, Joseph had originally said, listen, I'm just imprisoning all of you. And maybe... I'm going to let one of you go because you're claiming your brothers. Well, the only way, and you're claiming you have a younger brother back there in the land of Canaan. So then what I could see if what you're saying is true is if you bring him to me. So you're all going to stay in prison. We're going to send one of you to go and bring back that youngest brother to prove your words are true. And if they're true, I'll release you. And if they're not, you'll rot here. That's what he said to them, and then he put them for three days in prison. So obviously gives them a time to, like, think, why is God doing this to us? And and maybe realize why. Maybe it has to do with what we did to Joseph 22 years before. But at this point, now it's the end of the three days, and now Joseph is saying, you know, I, I really don't want to be mean here. I'm going to do it a little differently. I'm going to let all of you out, and one of you stays behind as a hostage. And again, if you're honest, you'll bring back that youngest brother to free him. And if not... You know, as I said, you were, you were dishonest spies from the start. The Rashi explains, base mishmarchem means the place where you're currently imprisoned. Which the question is, why does it say mishmarchem, your ward house? Because it's where you are currently imprisoned. And then you go bring, the Rashi explains, to your father's house, food for the hunger of your household because you bought food because the people in the household are hungry, so you can bring back to them their food. The verse continues, and bring your youngest brother to me, so your words will be verified, and you will not die. And they did so. And your words will be verified. Rashi says this means they'll be fulfilled. Yevrechem is like the word amen. When we say amen, it is true. That's what we're saying when we say amen after a blessing. So it will be made true, your words, truly are brothers, because you truly do have this youngest brother that you can bring. Then they said to one another, Indeed, we are guilty concerning our brother, and as much as we saw his heartfelt anguish when he pleaded with us, and we did not listen. That is why this anguish has come upon us. Meaning, they're getting it. They're saying, why are we going through all this? I mean, what did we do wrong here? What does this guy have against us? This is all a plot from God to punish us. Because we were heartless when our brother was pleading with us, so now we're being put in this position of, of us being the prisoners. So Rashi says, the first word here they said is aval, but. Normally we translate it as but. But here Rashi is translating it as indeed, as he says. The Targum says it means in truth. And Rashi says in Judea, aval is used to mean in truth. This has come upon us. And Rashi says the accent is on the base, meaning the first syllable of the word. Ba'a, kam, has two syllables. The accent could be ba'a or ba'a. 
And depending on where the accent is, is if it's past or present. So when it's on the first syllable, like it is here, ba, it means the past tense. It came upon us. These problems came upon us because of how we behaved with Joseph. You see how pure the brothers were that here they sold Joseph 22 years before, but right away they knew the only thing that could possibly be on their record was what happened with Joseph, which again at that time they really sincerely thought they were doing God's will. But later they already realized, no, it couldn't possibly be. When they saw their father for the past 22 years, mourning for 22 years, Jacob felt like one feels right after they lose someone, right after they lose a child. He felt that way for 22 years. But when they saw the pain their father was going through, they knew they were wrong. Even though they thought they were right, they knew that their emotions had blinded their intellect and made them think they were right, but really they were wrong. And they knew this was their guilt, and, and they knew that they had to do it right this time, which is why they had actually resolved, as they said to Joseph, that we thought we were going to take this opportunity now that we're coming to Egypt. It's the capital, you know, the capital of the civilized world at this point. It's very likely Joseph wound up here. We're going to search for him. We're going to bring him back home. And they're visiting him as some, you know, degraded slave somewhere for 22 years. We're going to look, we're going to find him because we have to just, whatever will happen to us will happen to us. Whatever our father will feel about us will feel about us. But we have to do whatever we can to stop this pain of our father. So now, but this, now this conversation is going on in front of Joseph because as the verse was going to say, they didn't understand, but he could understand them. Reuben spoke up to them saying, did I not speak to you saying, do not sin against the boy? But you would not listen, and his blood as well, behold, is being avenged. What does this mean his blood as, whole, as well as being avenged? Rashi is saying this is including something that's not explicit in the text, which means not only the blood of Joseph, but the blood of Jacob is also being avenged, meaning that the Reuben is saying they're suffering so greatly as a punishment for causing Joseph's death, and not only that, but we can imagine the pain of Jacob, our father. And we're going to imagine what Jacob's going to feel like when he's told that Benjamin has to come to Egypt. He, he already then would die of grief. And that blood is also on our head. Now, they did not know that Joseph understood, for the interpreter was between them. Meaning, as Rashi explains, it says they didn't know that Joseph heard, which Rashi said heard here means understood, understood their language, because they were talking like this in front of him. Because the interpreter was between them, meaning whenever they would speak to him, there was always an interpreter who knew Hebrew and Egyptian. And therefore, they thought Joseph doesn't know Hebrew, and that's why they were freely talking in front of him. Now, who was the interpreter? Rashi says this was his son, Menashe. How does Rashi figure out it's Menashe? Because it doesn't say an interpreter. It says the interpreter. The interpreter implies someone we know. So who could be someone we know that's the interpreter? Well, it's either Menashe or Ephraim, and Ephraim was pretty young at this point, so it had to be Menashe. The Pasuk verse continues, Joseph turned away from them and went. He returned to them and spoke to them. He took Shimon, Simon, from them and imprisoned him before their eyes. So he turned away from them, Rashi explains, because he didn't want them to see he was crying. And we understand that he actually, as Rashi explains, had to go a distance from them, because if he just turned his face, then obviously it wouldn't make sense for the verse to say he returned to them. And he wept. Why did he wept? Because 
he heard them regretting having sold him, meaning he wasn't only crying out of distress for their plight because he had put them in prison for three days and he wasn't crying then. He's crying now because he, he feels he feels that they're truly coming to this point of remorse. So he took Shimon, Simon specifically. Why? Rashi says he, he didn't just randomly pick him, obviously. Nothing here was random. Shimon is the one who threw Joseph into the pit. He's the one who said to his partner in crime, Levi, oh, the dreamer is coming. So from that perspective, Shimon took a greater part in the sale of Joseph than did the other brothers. So therefore, Joseph knew he needs a greater degree of atonement. So he took him to give him the atonement that he needed. Another way of looking at it is that Joseph wanted to separate Shimon from Levi because just as Shimon and Levi together had killed out the city of Shem, you know, together they were very strong and sort of out of bounds in what they could do in this direction. So he, he knew that if they were together, they could conspire to kill him. So therefore, he wanted the two separated. Now, it says that he imprisoned him. He imprisoned Shimon. He imprisoned Simon before their eyes, which, which seems very extra wording. What do you mean before their eyes? What do I need that superfluous language for? The Rasha explains because he only imprisoned him before their eyes. And once the brothers left, he took him out of prison. He fed him. He took care of him. He didn't, I mean, this, it was quite a while until the brothers came back, and he wasn't having him sit in prison all that time. Of course, he did want him to have to go through this extra cleansing, but I guess just being stuck in Egypt and wondering what's going to happen, and are the brothers ever going to come back to rescue him, and will Jacob agree to send Benjamin, and what's going to be with his life? I guess that was enough cleansing, and he didn't also need the physical deprivation of prison, which, of course, Joseph had suffered for many years. As we know earlier, before he became the viceroy, he was a prisoner for many years, so he definitely knows what it feels like. So the next verse says, Joseph commanded that they fill their vessels with grain and return, to their, and return their money, each one to his sack, and to give them provisions for the journey, and so he did for them. So Joseph here is like, Jason is actually going to confuse them very much because um, now he's only being, of course, they don't know yet this, but he's giving them all this grain. He's giving them back their money. He's giving them food for the journey. Okay, now the brothers leave. What's going on? They lifted their purchase on their donkeys and departed from there. The one opened his sack to give feed to his donkey at the inn, and he saw his money, and behold, it was in the mouth of his saddlebag. So the one, who's the one? This is Levi, because he's a one without his constant companion. He was in a particularly lonely situation because of the special bond that we know exists between Shimon and Levi. So if Shimon, Simon, was in prison in Egypt, Levi truly felt like alone, the one. And he's in the inn, meaning the place where they were sleeping that night, on their way back home from Egypt to where Yaakov, Jacob, lived. So he opens his saddlebag, he opens his sack, and he sees the money's there. And he said to his brothers, my money has been returned, and behold, it's in my saddlebag. And their hearts sank. And they turned trembling one to another, saying, what is this that God has done to us? 
Russia is in my saddlebag, meaning the money is there and the grain is there. And what's this God done to us? What's he bringing this libel? Because obviously they were thinking, they weren't thinking, oh, wow, that viceroy, he really does like us after all. You know what? He's so nice. He's pretending to be, have a little tough. He's so nice. He's, he's even giving back our money and giving us the grain. Oh, what a nice guy. No, they're like, obviously, he, he obviously they understood that viceroy who's out to get them for sure from the start, yeah, this must be some plot of his, and this is going to be another libel that, oh, you stole back your money, and oh, this is more proof, you're such deceitful, horrible people, we'll come back with Benjamin, and he'll have a new case against us as thieves, and who knows what he'll do to us. In other words, they viewed it as, of course, Joseph wanted them to view it as well, part of his plot. Like, this, this was not a nice favor on God's part. We bought something, got it for free. They didn't need to get it for free. They had money. But this was, this was part of building up a case against them. They realized this was not going to be a simple affair getting back Shimon, getting back Simon from that Egyptian president where they had to leave him. And we will stop at this point. <laughs>